Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to episode 54 of Scuderia Formula One, the podcast that is always up to Formula One racing. Mark Daly here for another week flying solo. Kevin is still away on holiday. He's going to be back in a day or so, but I thought since the Italian Grand Prix is still fresh in everybody's memory, I thought since everything went so good last week, and thank you all for your words of encouragement, uh, those of you that, uh, that, that touch base, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to try and ramble on again for the next half an hour or so on my own and, and see how it goes. And well, guys... For those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, like myself, uh, especially here in Canada and the United States, Labor Day is behind us. It is the unofficial end to summer. Kids went back to school today on the 5th of uh, September. I know that the, the first day of fall doesn't uh, officially come until the 22nd of this month, so it's uh, there's still a bit of summer left. Hope everybody had a good summer wherever they may be. And for my friends in the Southern Hemisphere, I guess you guys are going to be looking forward to the start of spring in a couple of weeks. And honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to the start of autumn. It's been pretty hot here in the Pacific Northwest over the past couple of days. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I, I think my friends that probably live elsewhere in the Pacific Northwest, in Seattle, Washington, Oregon, Portland, everywhere down on the West Coast may feel somewhat similar. We get our fair share of rain here. Don't get me wrong. We are no strangers to rain. We live in, uh, in I guess they call it, what is it, uh, the Pacific Rainfall or ra- Rainforest, something like that. Anyways, we, we get a lot of rain here, but we can get some pretty hot and dry spots patches during the summer and that's what we've had uh, quite often this year but over the past couple of days we've had this intense high ridge of pressure settle over the west coast temperatures have gone up the there, there's been i don't know some sort of weird wind conditions that have pulled out smoke from the interior of washington state and bc from the wildfires that we get each and every year here and it's kind of settled over the city here in in vancouver and it means that the air is pretty stagnant it smells like a campfire outside and it is hot and it is humid and basically everybody that has access to somewhere cool like a basement or air conditioning be it in their house car office shopping mall wherever it may be everybody is looking for that but it was i I think for me at least looking watching qualifying what i did see of it on saturday for the italian grand prix watching all that rain at monza was at least I, i think somewhat suggestive and at least felt a little bit cooler at least in my mind But that was something to behold when you get the Italian Grand Prix. I mean, we do not see very much rain at Monza over the years. I think that was the first wet session since 2008, if I believe. 
So it, uh, it it was a little bit strange. And what with the the, the downpour that was, I really only saw, uh, I guess, part of Q3. So I guess right up until the point when Roman Grosjean skidded off of the track at the end of the, the, the start-finish straight there, and fortunately didn't collect his car too heavy or get injured or damage his car too significantly, and it was red flagged. Now, for those of you who don't know what I do, I do a lot of work covering Major League Soccer, specifically White, uh, the Whitecaps, Vancouver Whitecaps FC. Jeez, I should know that by now. I've been doing it for, year, for years. Anyways, I, I do a lot of podcasting, a lot of writing, a lot of coverage for Vancouver Whitecaps FC. So I do a lot of that and I, I get Fortunately, I, I get a little bit of money out of it, so I kind of go out of my way to do that. But Formula One, as much as it is a, is a passion, when it is live on the West Coast here, I'll, I'll be the first one to do a bit of guys. I'm not one of the people that will get up at 3, 4, 5 a.m. on a Sunday or a Saturday morning to watch the qualifying or the, the, the race live. I love it when the races are in Canada, obviously, Mexico, the United States, Brazil, and even some of the Asian races uh, come on at uh, later in the evening here, some times 10 11 even midnight and hey i'm a night person if the the race was on at one or two in the morning i'd probably stay up if it's go to bed early get up early yeah it's just not happening anyway so what i usually do is i end up pvring these uh, races and qualifying sessions and you just never know what's going to happen right you never know if there's going to be an accident there's going to be a red flag and things are going to get stopped for a while so i usually set up my pvr to make sure that i have at least an hour of extra recording so anyways long story short after Grosjean went on, I kept, uh, I just started fast forwarding and through it. And they said, well, race control will update the situation at whatever time, local time kept going and going and going. And you see the drivers out of their cars, obviously out of the, <laughs> everything, walking around with big jackets on and everything. And then after about two and a half or three hours, they were still just interviewing different people around the paddock. And that was about it. I never really saw anything after that. And I had to kind of go into the race completely blind because what with my my apparent laziness and uh, lack of will to get up to watch the race live, I have to stay away from my phone on race days or qualifying days. So I don't spoil the result early because I'll come back and watch it after breakfast or sometimes if it's a specifically busy day and I have a Whitecaps match to go and cover, I sometimes don't get to watch the, the Grand Prix until a Sunday night. Which, you know, is is a great way to finish off the weekend, don't get me wrong. But it does mean for somebody like myself who really likes social media and engaging on social media makes it very, very difficult to stay away from my phone other than maybe just checking text messages. And there's certain people that I will not answer text messages on on a race day just for that specific reason. Although every once in a while you do get that one well-meaning friend that will send the text, say, hey, how about Lewis winning the Grand Prix today? And then I'm kind of sitting there, well, Great. Well, thanks for spoiling that result for me. Anyways, yeah, so it was an interesting starting grid, to say the least. I mean, when have we other seen Lance Stroll, youngest Formula One driver ever, to start on the front row, obviously, starting second behind Lewis Hamilton, Esteban Ancon, starting on the second row and third in the Force India. And then after that, you get your usual, usual suspects of Valtteri Bottas, Kimi Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel. Then you have Felipe Massa, seventh, Danny Kvyat, the Torpedo, eighth, Kevin Magnussen, and Sergio Perez in the top 10. So, I mean, it was really switched around. And of course, it was bizarre. Obviously, the rain threw a wrench into everything. And then you had a whole heap of drivers incurring massive grid penalties. So I think it's about the most bizarre 
starting grid that I think that's or maybe not bizarre, but maybe the most unexpected and illogical starting grid that I think we've seen in a very, very long time. And I mean, if you look, Danny Ricardo started in 16th on race day. Max Verstappen started in 13th in, in the Red Bulls. We don't no- normally see them all the way down there. But Danny Ricardo, amazing performance by Danny Ricardo, and we'll get to that in a second. Finished fourth, only a couple of seconds, I think four seconds behind Sebastian Vettel. And if things had gone a little bit different, who would have thought that we would have been sitting here thinking perhaps that Danny Ricardo could have had another podium finish at Monza? And uh, Ferrari's lack of pace, another interesting situation, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that too in a minute. But Lewis Hamilton, I think, deservedly sets his record-setting 69th pole position in Formula 1 in fine style. I mean, he is now undisputed. He tied Michael Schumacher's uh, record of 68 pole positions a couple of weeks ago, and then all of a sudden, here we go again. There's there's no stopping Lewis Hamilton, and uh, fantastic for him in the wet, and he was, I think, about 1.2 seconds ahead of Lance Stroll. Phenomenal. Well-deserved for Lewis Hamilton. But I think what really surprised me in the race itself was just how quick the pace that uh, that that Mercedes had over Ferrari. Of course, if you look back at the Italian Grand Prix results, it's now seven years since the Scuderia won at their home Grand Prix. The last person to do so was Fernando Alonso, who won back back in 2010. And then before that was Michael Schumacher won in 2006 for Ferrari. So they they have not had very many results there. And the past four years, Lewis Hamilton, three out of four, Nico Rosberg won last year. So it's been all Mercedes since 2014. And then Sebastian Vettel, a couple of uh, Grand Prix wins in there as well for Red Bull. And even Lewis Hamilton back 2012 won the Italian Grand Prix for McLaren Mercedes back then. So obviously this is another track that Lewis Hamilton does very, very well at. And... Ferrari left a little bit, I I think, a little bit embarrassed, perhaps, maybe very disappointed that they were not closer to Ferrari on the uh, on the race day itself. I think that uh, Vettel was saying that he wasn't really stressed about Mercedes dominance at, at Monza. But I think it just goes to prove you approved to you again just how good that Mercedes engine is and just how much speed that they have or advantage in speed that they have over Mercedes in a straight line. Obviously, Monza is one of those power tracks that has lots of fast straight sections and it was obvious they, I think, uh, were at least half a second per lap faster than uh, than than the Ferrari were. And if you look at it, you have uh, Lewis Hamilton winning it. He was four point well four and a half seconds ahead of his teammate Valtteri Bottas. But then you look in third place, Sebastian Vettel, thirty six seconds behind. So that is a long way back. And Danny Ricardo, as I said, he was only four seconds behind his teammate. And then Kimi Raikkonen, again, not very much pace. And well, he wasn't, oh, I'd say he was a little bit by himself. He was about uh, 10, 11 seconds in front of Esteban Ocon. So Lance Stroll, seventh place, very, very, very good uh, result for him. And Felipe Massa, Sergio Perez, and Max Verstappen, who had that early coming together with Felipe Massa in the opening laps of the race at the uh, at the first chicane, chicane there, picked up a puncture, ended up at the very back of the field, but still managed to get a point out of that. That one. So it's just what, what, what a terrible rate, a season it has been for Max Verstappen, but at least he got a point this weekend. There's a little bit of consolation in there for him because it's, it's just become almost expectant. You, you expect to see 
the uh, the McLaren cars, one of them at least, and they had a double DNF this weekend, of course. Van Dorn didn't finish, and Alonso didn't finish. We almost expect that at this point, that they're going to have some problem with the, the Honda engine, and they're going to drop out. But just the, the range of different problems that Max Verstappen has had all year long, and just the bad luck that he's had, his, it's just mind-boggling. It is, it, it is nothing short of shocking. He's had all sorts of problems that you would and wouldn't expect, and obviously He's uh, had several problems with his Renault engine that have been, not, you know, keeping him obviously from finishing races, and it's been a very, very disappointing season for him. And when I saw that puncture on his uh, right front tire, I thought, well, here we go again. And but good credit to him. But Danny Ricardo, driver of the day, and deservedly so. Danny Ricardo, I think is one of those drivers that is perhaps maybe quietly, not so quietly, perhaps, depending on your your point of view, has had a very successful season. He's fourth in the world championship, 144 points, not too far behind Valtteri Bottas, who was in third with 197. And I, th- I think it's a great story. I mean, Danny has had v- quite a number of podium finishes. He had that one win. And I think that it puts a bit, I think it's a good credit to Red Bull. I mean, obviously, they haven't really lived up to the expectations that we had of them. They kind of weren't really on the pace at winter testing all the way back in February at Barcelona. And they just really haven't been able to pick up the pace. They're, they're, they're kind of in that gap between you have Ferrari and Mercedes at the front probably well let, let, let's be honest now mercedes and ferrari at the front then you have red bull a little ways back and then you have everybody else kind of led by your force indias and your williams and and teams like that and kind of descending through your toro rosos renault etc etc so it has been uh, very very interesting and i think it's good to see for for danny ricardo and well who knows it's uh, going to be uh i guess another enlightening week because just talking about the the Renault engine last week Christian Horner said that Renault had some things to answer for that they just weren't delivering on the power that they needed obviously um, the the Red Bulls they have a Tag Heuer branded Renault engine same engine that the Renault works team has and the Toro Rosso has but obviously a different name on the engine than uh, than the other one so uh, it possibly and this is the latest saga or the latest twist in the saga that is the, the the worst relationship in Formula One. And that is the McLaren-Honda saga, drama, whatever you want to call it at this point. But apparently it is going to be resolved in just a matter of days. And it seems to be a bit of an open secret that at this point they are going to step away and break that relationship with Honda and sign up with Renault Engines. Now, this is going to be fascinating because Renault is already supplying three teams. They said that there isn't going to be a fourth team that is going to get works engines from them. So the rumor at the moment is that they will move from Renault, sorry, they will stop supplying Toro Rosso with Renault engines, move over to McLaren with Honda going to supply Toro Rosso. So, well, yeah, well, I, I don't really get it either, guys. But apparently the the bosses at Formula One, are very committed to keeping Honda in Formula One, and they're they're trying to find a situation that will work for them. I, you know, personally, I did not see that sort of a lateral shift from McLaren to Toro Rosso and kind of an engine swap kind of deal. I, it made sense that the the partnership with Sauber and Honda didn't come off because obviously Sauber does not design and build its own gearboxes, so they would need a gearbox supply and in in order to secure an engine deal. And Honda were not able to provide that, so that's 
part of the reason why that that deal fell apart. But uh, I really didn't see this twist coming. But it is also interesting to see that uh, Zach Brown, the CEO at McLaren, said that Fernando Alonso is very likely to sit, stay at McLaren for next year and beyond if they can get a Renault power supply. And and that makes sense. Obviously, Fernando is a former Renault driver, won two world championships over a decade ago with Can you believe that, by the way? Fernando Alonso, two world championships with Renault, the works team, the former works team, and that is already over 10 years ago. Was that 2005, six off the top of my head without uh, checking the record book? 2005, 2006, so already a dozen years ago. Boy, how times flies, eh? Anyways, that is very interesting. And also a little twist in the, just sort of a side note on the the, the whole Renault situation. Julian Palmer didn't fall, uh, finish the race again. He retired, had to retire his car late in the race after having an interesting coming together or incident with the aforementioned Fernando Alonso that ended up with uh, Palmer getting a five second penalty and Fernando fuming over the radio for laps and laps and laps and expressing his displeasure that uh, Julian only got a five second penalty for gaining advantage and going off the track at the second chicane there just before the Lesmos. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I, I think that last year we had a, a lot of light moments, or maybe not light moments, but uh, rather humorous and off-color moments provided by Sebastian Vettel and his somewhat blue language on the radio. But this year it seems to be Fernando Alonso that's providing the interesting comments, what with his uh, basically... I think, uh, <laughs> well, any, any comment that he can come up with, with uh, I think it was back in uh, Russia when he couldn't even get to the starting grid and the, his race engineer told him to try it again. He said, I've already tried. Why don't you come and try before he rolled to a stop and got out of the car and other times sort of uh, going on about uh, self-promoting himself and how great of a drive that he had, but the car wasn't up to it uh, and things like that. So perhaps this saga will be resolved over the next couple of days. And also maybe talking a little bit about the silly season, there obviously have been a number of drives that have been secured for next year, but apparently Wolf, Total Wolf, uh, the Mercedes motorsport boss, had coffee with the, the Verstappens, but he's played it down other than nothing having a cup of coffee with his friends at Joss Verstappen's motorhome at the Italian Grand Prix. But he did admit that he is keeping an eye on the future of Max Verstappen in the coming years. But just looking at the driver standings now, you have Lewis Hamilton leading the world championship now with 238 points. He's only three points ahead of Sebastian Vettel. So this is the first time in 2017 that Lewis is actually leading. Sebastian, he's obviously not all that far behind and there's still eight races to go in this season. So anything can happen before we get to the Yas Marina circuit Abu Dhabi at the end of November. And I think this is probably going to seesaw back and forth between these uh, two guys for the rest of the year. But then you look at uh, Valtteri Bottas, 197 points. So he's 38 points behind Sebastian Vettel. And I'm starting to think after kind of really inserting himself into that conversation about possibly possibly having a shot at the, the world championship this year. I'm just kind of starting to wonder now, barring any unexpected circumstances or results for or finishes between Vettel and Hamilton, perhaps maybe Botas's star is beginning to fade just a little bit. And, and, and of course, anything could happen, but he, he's quite a ways back now. I mean, he's, well, I guess, what, 40, well, 38. So yeah, I, I mean... 
he's almost four, he's over 40 points behind his teammate so that's quite a deficit to climb but as we saw last year Lewis Hamilton was 43 points behind his teammate Nico Rosberg at one point and that world championship came down to the very last couple of laps at Abu Dhabi last year but Lewis did have a have to really work hard for it i mean it isn't necessarily over for Bottas by a long ways but he does certainly have his work cut out for him but just kind of going back to Ferrari again, and it's it's interesting that they were so far off of the pace at their their home track. And there, there's a lot of things that that uh, Ferrari and Mercedes have been saying over the last couple of days. Vettel said he's not stressed about the situation, and perhaps that's true. Like I was saying earlier, that Mercedes obviously does have that power advantage, the speed advantage in these long straight line uh, portions of the track, the long straightaways, and they've dominated Monza over the past several years. So no real surprise there. We'll see at Singapore in a couple of weeks. If they're still way out in front, perhaps then Ferrari should be feeling a little bit nervous. So we'll wait and see. But it's interesting, too, when you hear the big boss of Ferrari, Sergio Marchionne, was saying that he thought that they screwed up. At least that's what he told German broadcaster RTL. He just said that he thought the setup for the car was wrong, that they underestimated Monza. And if you think any team would know Monza, it would have to be Ferrari. So that was a a very interesting admission. And even Total Wolf uh, believes that, that they were, or not they, Mercedes, but they, Ferrari, were out of sync uh, this uh, the, this past weekend at their their home track. But a third place for Sebastian Vettel is probably, I think, a, a realistic target. Maybe they won't come out and admit it publicly, but based on what we've seen over the past several years at Monza, Mercedes probably were going to be the favorites for this race. And obviously, a 1-2 finish, pole position for Lewis Hamilton. Well, it was the best result that they could have hoped for, but I think a third place for Sebastian Vettel, and he looked, I, I think, quite pleased, or at least accepting of the results, and getting on the podium, I think, as a Ferrari driver at Monza is a great thing. And I mean, he didn't finish outside of the points, he finished third, I think. He's got to be happy with that. And we'll, we'll see if we get uh, back to some of these warmer tracks uh, and drier tracks in the next several races, whether that suits the Ferrari. We, we, we've seen that earlier in the year. We saw in the deserts at Bahrain earlier in the year that they were very good and places like that. So long ways to go for Ferrari. And I just want to talk quickly also about uh, Lance Stroll. And he finished sixth, one place ahead of his teammate Felipe Massa. And does anybody else think it's a little bit weird with uh, Sergio Perez in eighth place, kind of just sitting behind those two? Why they were fighting between themselves at that point when they were actually had sixth and seventh and they were doing quite well. I mean, as a team, it's one of the better races that um, uh, Williams has had this year. And they're still quite a ways back of Force India, who have 113 points, fourth currently in the Constructors' Championship. Williams, fifth with 55 points. I was just kind of thinking when I was watching those two going at it in the late stages of the race, it's just like, cool it, guys. You're, you're going to get a good double points finish here for the team. You're going to increase uh, your, your point standings in the Constructors' Championship, obviously, with Esteban Ocon finishing pretty good uh, as well, that he was going to, that they were going to obviously get a little bit further ahead in the uh, in the constructors championship but good nonetheless maybe a little bit nervous if you're standing on the williams pit wall or in the garage there but it was just kind of something that uh, kind of made me kind of scratch my head anyways lance stroll said that uh, that that lockup that he had going into the the first chicane at turn 1 uh was 
he lost the place to, to Esteban Ocon. He said it was a devastating mistake that kind of forced him back and led him to ultimately fending off his teammate and Sergio Perez later in the race. But still, Lance, young guy, still learning. Sixth place, I think that uh, he can be quite uh, happy with that. Sorry, seventh place. He can be quite uh, happy with that. I think I got that uh, mixed up. So Stroll, Massa, seventh and eighth. Sergio Perez was in ninth, not the uh, the other way around. So it was a Williams sandwich, sandwiched between the two Force India. So it seems at least that uh, Williams is finding a little bit of form later in the season. We'll have to see uh, over the last half a dozen racers or so whether or not they can keep it up. But uh, a little bit of uh, promising uh, news for them as well. And also, there was some other news today that that Ferrari has re-upped a new long-term deal with Marlboro with uh, Philip Morris, and they've obviously been a, a long-term or longtime sponsor of uh, Ferrari, and that's interesting that uh, that there still is a tobacco sponsor in Formula One. It's not really overt anymore. Obviously, there's a ban on tobacco advertising. There was that kind of sneaky way they tried to get around it in years gone by, where they had that barcode. Remember they had that barcode on um, the, the Ferrari on the airbox? I guess it was in the, the Schumacher days. But anyways, long gone, and that's been replaced by their own team logo, that uh, Scuderia Ferrari one. It's kind of like a red and white halved rectangle with the uh, with the prancing horse logo on it looks uh, pretty cool but uh, interesting to see nonetheless so let's just talk quickly uh, before I, I wrap this thing up here now what, what did you guys think of the race what, was it boring uh wasn't really all that exciting at the front. It was exciting in the in the early going. I thought once things kind of sorted their way, uh, sorted themselves out. I, I think it was only really a question of time before guys like Valtteri Bottas, Kimi Raikkonen, and uh, Sebastian Vettel kind of forced their way up through the order. And guys like Stroll and Ocon, obviously, great job for both of them to qualify as well as they did. We're going to get gobbled up and passed by the uh, by the by the faster cars. I thought it was interesting though, in uh, the opening couple of of laps when Kimi Raikkonen made that uh, pass on uh, Valtteri Bottas. Obviously, Bottas did him a little bit of a favor of running wide there at the second chicane, and then uh, Raikkonen pounced on him to pass him uh, going into the first of the the two Lesmo corners there. But that pass that uh, that uh, Bottas made a lap later, I believe it was, passing uh, Raikkonen on the inside of the Parabolica was. Uh, looked a little bit easy, didn't it? Uh, he, he just had that speed, and after then, it was uh, Hamilton and Botas, and they just really disappeared up the track. But uh, again, I thought that uh, it was interesting uh, how Sebastian Vettel uh, carved his way up through the order, passed his teammate, and uh, from there, he just kind of settled into the pace. He did hint at a bit of a, a problem. He said that his car was pulling to one one side that was really preventing him from from pushing and was keeping him about half a second off uh, the pace compared to the Mercedes cars. But again, not too much action, but there was uh, some good uh, passing and some good moments uh, further back in the field. And it was uh, qu- that, that at least I thought was uh, quite enjoyable to watch. Anyways, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Again, thank you very, very much uh, for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, send me a tweet at f one pod on Twitter. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash f one pod Kevin's going to be back next week. We'll look ahead to the Singapore Grand Prix. European portion of the F1 calendar for 2017 is over. I always feel a little bit kind of sad at that, but there's some great 
great tracks, great circuits uh, coming up in the final third of the season. We've got Singapore. always love that night race. We've got Malaysia, last running of the Malaysian Grand Prix. Then we go back the U.S. Grand Prix, Mexico, Brazil. There, there's a whole bunch of good ones coming up. So uh, plenty of exciting and uh, enjoyable Formula One racing to look forward to. Anyways, that's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you again this time next week. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?